Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's David Smith. All right, and welcome to another edition of Illinois Family Spotlight. I am Dave Smith, and uh, Monty Larrick is not here today. He's on a special assignment in Springfield, Illinois, where he is covering the Nativity Scene dedication. Can you believe that? We actually have a Nativity Scene in the Rotunda in Springfield proclaiming the Lord's birth. So fantastic. But today I'm joined by my daughter, Jenna, who is also a host of the Self-Evident podcast. Where can you find that podcast, Jenna? Well, you can find it anywhere podcasts are made available. So iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and the IFA website. And that's ifiaction.org. Today, we are going to talk about education and thinking out of the box. What do I mean by thinking out of the box? We're going to be talking about forest school. What? What is forest school? Well, we're going to find out. But first, let us introduce our guest, the executive director of Free Haven Forest School. Her name is Rachel Makotis, and she's the executive director of Free Haven Forest School. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we've known you and your family for quite a while. So um, tell our listeners a little bit about you, who you are, and um, your background. Um, so my dad is actually Dr. Zumhagen, and I am fortunate to be the seventh born of my family. And what that means is that my parents were already got the rundown of how to raise kids by the time I came along. No, no, no. They already they got the rundown of raising boys. And then all of a sudden, a girl came, right? Yeah. So you're the only girl in the family. And so you're a homeschool graduate. Absolutely. Um I started college when I was 16. I went to community college, and Very when cool. I turned 18, I kind of wanted to figure out what I wanted to do in life, so I took a gap year, and I actually moved to Spain and became an au pair, and um, just homeschooling has opened up so many doors for me, and just at a really early age in life, I was able to do a lot of exploration and figure out exactly what I wanted to do and what fit best, and so I ended up... Uh, trying to finish my degree in biology, and then uh, I helped my church start a daycare preschool program that was licensed, and we started it from the ground up, and I got a lot of great experience doing that since I was 20 years old. That's so amazing. I was pretty young at the time, but started learning the ropes of running a school and mm -hmm. working with the state and all yeah. of those things. Um, and... During that time to get experience, I actually got a job as a preschool teacher just to kind of see what traditional school yeah. was like. It was kind of funny trying to run a school when I'd never been at school <laughs> in my yeah. life. So I knew I needed some experience under my belt. And um, the experience I got uh, was what I refer to as baptism by fire. Sure. Oh, gracious. It it really opened my eyes to what the education system is and what it does to kids and what it expects of kids and it was so unlike my own experience in childhood and it really disturbed me <laughs> okay. so you learned some good things but then you saw a lot of things that 
whoa, we should be doing this. Yeah, absolutely. I think it made me realize what my parents had done for me for Mm. the first time. They saved you from. Yeah, exactly. All the sacrifice they made for me and um, how I got to have a real childhood that kids don't have access to when they're going to traditional schools. And it really broke my heart for these kids. Um, I was teaching preschool at the time, and these three-year-olds were there um, eight-plus hours a day. It was a daycare preschool. And we had a 30-minute recess period time, and the rest of the time they were expected to be in this classroom without windows. Um, and we were, I was supposed to sit these three-year-olds down and do worksheets with them. And nobody wanted to do that. I didn't want to do that. They didn't want to do that. They'd sit there crying. They didn't want to trace letters. And so I would take them outside, and we would play and have the best time ever. And the playground at the school was very plain and concrete and uh, across the street there was a beautiful playground with grass and trees and so we would go across the street and play outside and I started teaching them outside instead of inside and teaching them their ABCs out there and and all that and it was let me me stop you real quick did you see a, a, a difference in their attention span inside versus outside just curious oh yeah absolutely Absolutely. There's a huge difference. Uh Uh-huh. They were a lot more engaged. That was the main thing, that they wanted to be there. And it wasn't like they're sitting there crying. They don't want to be there, you know. They're they're excited. They're asking questions. They're participating. And after a while, I actually got reprimanded by my supervisors for having the kids outside more than the 30-minute allotted recess time. Because they said the three-year-olds needed to be inside more to complete their schoolwork. And I was just totally baffled. It actually has nothing to do with Illinois law. I've looked at the licensing standards backwards and forwards. I've had them memorized for my jobs since then. Nowhere does it say that. But In Illinois, the compulsory school age is six. So you don't even have to start at three. Right. But uh, so this must have been just the management's Absolutely. Position. Well, and teachers deal with that all the time. I actually had a professor in college. Professor. Yeah. yeah uh, who said, why do you want to be a teacher? And I said, well, I love kids. I love working with them and I want to help kids, you know, reach their full potential. And he said, then don't become a teacher. Teachers don't get to do that. Oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> Did you ask what do teachers get to do? He just said it's uh, it's all bureaucracy and you're not really allowed to help kids oh, the way that they need to be helped. What a sad commentary. Well, and because I didn't have any real experience in the school, I didn't really know what he was talking about at the time. It wasn't until I had my first job teaching that I got to see that in real life play out. So long story short, I helped the, the church do their school, and I wanted to do it a lot different than the school experience that I had just seen in that school. Exactly. So um, I learned a lot there about doing a a nature-based program, trying to have the kids outside more and working with them. And then the pandemic hit, and that school had to shut down. And during the pandemic, it was a huge lull for me uh, work-wise. There was just not a lot to do and gave me time to kind of think and reassess where I was at and and what the future of schooling needed to be during COVID. And 
Um, I just know that a lot of traction happened in terms of people talking about doing school outside. And this concept called forest school kept coming up. And I'd heard of it in passing before. It wasn't taught to me at university. No one says anything about forest school. It's not a teaching model that's discussed. I'll be honest. I'm, you know, well, twice your age, and I'd never heard of it before in my life until I met you. So, It's a European concept, and it actually originated in Scandinavia. Let's not hold that against them. (laughs) (laughs) Like like everything America does, we do do it better. (laughs) That's right. So it's very common over there. And so I kind of thought when I'd heard it in passing, like, yeah, forest school sounds awesome, but it's not available to me here. So it's not really worth learning about, Um, which was true at the time, maybe. But kind of during COVID, I was like, well, let me look into this forest school thing, because it seems like if they can do school outside all day, there's got to be something to that, um, because it's certainly better than having kids in masks indoors all day and that's the loophole that the schools and licensing said kids had to wear masks if they were inside but if they were outside they didn't have to and so I was like all right well let me find the loophole let me figure out how to do this and that was it so I'm like all right well how do we do a full outdoor program so I started doing research in forest school and I ended up finding this training program that trained you how to be (sighs) a forest school teacher that was completely online it was their first time doing it online it was typically in person in chattanooga tennessee but because of covid i had the opportunity to take the training online and i took it and it really equipped me to think outside of the box and say hey anything you can do inside you can do outside and we'll be good to go and so after doing that training, I ran the first little cohort. We did a very small forest kindergarten class with just like five students and teaching them outside. They were the same kids we had in preschool. Then we had them outside in kindergarten, and it was night and day difference, the kids. The, their behavior, totally different. It was like working with different kids. They just were thriving they were way more engaged, they were way more curious. And these are kids who are already in a nature-based program. They just weren't outside 100% of the time. Um, so it was amazing and the results we saw. and So cool. Yeah, I saw the kids just taking off and kind of learning on their own. And there wasn't much I had to do as a teacher except support them yep. in their learning, which is, I think, all education is. It's yeah. kind of a, a fallacy to think that we can teach kids anything because – Kids are made by design to learn, and they're made curious, and we just have to be able to be there Encourage to feed that it. Encourage that and direct it. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, Jenna, um, you know, we've homeschooled, obviously, uh, throughout your lifetime, and I know you and your brothers have uh, taken opportunities to go outside and read a book or sit at a the bench outside and do your math and and all those things, and uh uh, th- those are very enjoyable, but it's certainly not all day, uh, you know, outside. Can't do the piano outside. Not right? necessarily. <laughs> no. Wouldn't be good so, for the instrument. No, no, probably wouldn't be. But uh, but it sounds very interesting, too, doesn't it? It I mean, really does. It, it sounds very inviting and encouraging. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about that when we come back. Where would they find more, our listeners, find more information about Free Haven Forest School? You can find all the information about the the school and the programs we offer, including homeschool programs and drop-off programs um, for ages 3 through 14. 
at our website, which is... And the goal is to go through 12 eventually. We want to, yeah, we want to offer programs through high school. So we're working on expanding at the moment. Um, but you can find out information about our school at our website, which is freehavenfs, as in forestschool.com. Freehavenfs.com. All right. And you're on Facebook, too. Very cool. All right. We'll come right back, and we'll talk a little bit more about the curriculum, your focus, and, um, and the kids and how you're trying to make this more permanent and expand the school. With a one-minute look at culture from a Christian worldview, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. More than 700 authors and publishing agents signed an open letter to Penguin Random House demanding that the publisher cancel a book deal with U.S. Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett. The signatories dramatically claim that the book would be a violation of international human rights because of how Justice Barrett voted in the Dobbs case. Well, Random House officials say they still plan to publish the book, but it's notable that the open letter didn't appeal to morality, biology, even political philosophy. Instead, the signers appealed to popular opinion. Quote, international human rights organizations widely recognize abortion access as a fundamental human right, they wrote. It's an irrational argument. Some international human rights organizations do not recognize abortion as a fundamental human right. And even if every institution in the world did, they could still be wrong. Abortion supporters should be wary of appealing to mob opinion. After all, if the pro-life movement continues to be successful in changing hearts and minds, popular opinion could soon change. Question is, what's right? For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. An update from Illinois Family Institute, IllinoisFamily.org. The leader of the Illinois Prayer Caucus Network is encouraging Christians to run in the April 4th consolidated elections. Candidates are needed for city and village trustees, library, and school boards. Whatever local office that you're running for, God can use that. With escalating violence, abortion, and failing government schools, Delbert Pratt believes the turnaround of Illinois will only happen through prayer, and it could begin at the local level, starting with the consolidated elections. We're going to be a mighty moving force of prayer and action in Illinois. Candidate petitions must be filed by December 19th for the April 4th elections. To find out more, click the Consolidated Elections article on the IFI homepage at IllinoisFamily.org. All right, welcome back to Illinois Family Spotlight. I am Dave Smith, along with my daughter, Jenna Smith, of Self-Evident Podcast. And we are with Rachel with Free Haven Forest School. And uh, we've been talking about her background and how, how this um, came into fruition. And now we want to talk about the curriculum and uh, what is the focus of Free Haven Forest School. Are we raising a bunch of hippies? who are just going to live off the land? Or are we raising Christian young men and women who love and will become future conservationists? Yeah, well, I think uh, <laughs> it's pretty clear in, in Genesis that we are called um, to be stewards of the earth Great that we've answer. been given. And that is what we instill in our students. Um, I love it. Kids actually are very natural about that. They oh, don't yes. need to be corrected too much on anything. They're very aware. And they're self-aware. Absolutely, they know life is precious, mm -hmm. and they treat it 
as you, mean, you don't you don't pick up a little uh, what do they call those little toads? No, no, those sal- salamanders. The salamanders. So you don't you don't just pick up a salamander and say, "Hey, here's a distant relative." No, no, we don't do that, do we? No, absolutely not. So, so they don't accept that kind of nonsense, do they? <laughs> no, they, they look at you like, "What? Are you are you serious?" Absolutely. So, um, we are a Christian school, and that means that we pray before meals, we read Bible stories to the kids, uh, we talk a lot about God's creation, and it's actually I tell people it's impossible to to learn outside and not talk about God because we are in His creation. We're in the greatest classroom on earth, um, the place that he made for us to explore and discover. And so it's really hard to teach in that environment and not constantly be pointing back to him. And I know there's a lot of secular nature schools, and honestly, I don't know how they do it. (laughs) It's just so foreign to me. It's like an oxymoron. Absolutely. Where a lot of those schools will give credit to Mother Earth and Mother Nature, we we tell our students the truth and we give credit to God for all he's given us exactly you know we um we moved to where we live in our with our family in 2008 and it's certainly more uh, r- uh, more suburban maybe ex exurb um and in forestry uh we definitely have a lot of trees and i remember um doing research on a a, a bird that was a woodpecker i'm like what is that thing and i found out you know with uh ben and maybe maybe you uh Jenna, uh, it was a yellow belly sapsucker, <laughs> and and then learning about how its its head is created and how it uses its beak and how it nails into the to the bark of trees and and it's it just amazing. You know, you, if you and I banged our head against a tree that often, we'd have a concussion yeah. at a minimum. And yet, God created these birds, which are pretty fat, fragile, with amazing heads and necks and beaks and you know, it, it, that didn't evolve. How could that have evolved? The first couple times it banged its head against the uh, tree, it would have died. And that, that would be the end of the line, right? <laughs> so, anyway, so here, here's biology, here's nature, here's environmental science, all rolled up in one. Yeah, we actually teach all subjects. Uh, right now our programs are preschool through first grade, um, but we also do a lot of extracurricular programs like a homeschool science class. And we do survival school where we teach students survival skills like fire building, shelter building. Kids love that. Uh, It's super duper fun. And people always wonder, like, how do you teach all the subjects outside? Um, We do it through something called interdisciplinary studies. Our our school curriculum is actually child-led. So we teach the kids what they want to learn about based on their interests and as teachers, we make sure that science, math, English, reading, writing is all weaved into their topic of study. So, like so you it's were, a unit study. Yeah. Essentially, we kind of do a ton of unit studies throughout the year. Okay. So as you were talking about that yellow-bellied sapsucker, right. let's say our students saw one of those and they wanted to learn about them. Like I did. Absolutely. We would say, all right, well, why don't we write a story about them? And that would be writing. Um, why don't we learn more about them and learn more about their ecology and you know you're kind of handling science there and then you could use that bird to do math and depending on the grade level you'd be counting eggs how many eggs are in the nest doing averages you know there's uh we could 
do bird sightings and be counting how many times we see them. There's so many ways that you can learn and God kind of gave us everything we need already. And that's so cool. Yeah, this spring we had a couple of Cooper Hawks nesting above my driveway. That's exciting. Raptors no, are crazy. I had to wash my cars every day. <laughs> it was a mess. And thankfully, because I was able to research, I found out they weren't going to be nesting there very long. And they move on. And so otherwise, I think I would have tried to scare them off somehow. <laughs> well, they probably help your rodent problem. They did. The, the, uh, the what do they call The those? chipmunks Chip? did disappear. Chipmunks disappeared. <laughs> yep, there's always a solution. So anyway, that's so cool. Um, so where do you, you meet right now? So uh, right now we're in Mokina. We actually started our programs meeting at local forest preserves. That's kind of how we launched our homeschool groups. And um, we were very blessed and fortunate to find a beautiful property with a creek and a tree house. Um, and that's where we meet right now. It's two acres, but it's surrounded by about 50 acres of woodland and creeks and meadows. And it's the, this beautiful place in Mokina that's definitely a diamond in the rough, uh, kind of in the middle of suburbia, unheard of. Um, but it's a very beautiful. It's in Will County. Yeah, it's a central location right off 355, right nice. by Silver Cross Hospital. So Nice. That's great. So um, if, if any of our listeners would like a packet, you've got a packet here of information, uh, where would they email? Or just contact you through the website. Yeah, you can email Rachel at freehavenfs.com, and Rachel is spelled R-A-C-H-E-L. At freehavenfs.com. That's correct. Okay. You can also access it at our website. Um, there's a fundraiser page, and so if you click around on there, you'll be able to find our expansion plans, and that's the packet that we're looking at right now. Expansion? Okay, so tell me about this expansion. What are you trying to do? You've got two acres, which sounds like, well, well, first of all, let me ask you, how many students do you have? Right now we serve 150 students. 150 students, and this is your first year? Yeah, we launched officially in fall of 2021, and uh, we're here a year later serving 150 students. We've served 300 in the past year through our summer camps, et cetera. Yeah. And, um, do you have a waiting list? We do. No way. Yeah, we are. So there's a bunch of people who want to get out of government schools and get into Free Haven Forest School. Yeah, we are definitely a very fun alternative to <laughs> a traditional school. Right. So as a guy, I can tell you I hated school. You know how you took a, a, year, a gap year after? I took five years <laughs> because I didn't want to go back to school, but then realized, well, if I want to do what I want to do, I need a degree. And so I went back more serious than <clears throat> I would have coming right out of high school. So um, – Having a fun alternative, learning, and you, and you said you, you teach the kids what they want to learn. So a question about that real quick is, uh, do you take a poll? Do you, uh, you know, because um, not everybody's going to agree on, hey, let's learn about the yelly belly sap sucker or let's learn about the salamander, you know. Yeah, that's a great question. So it totally depends on the class and different class dynamics uh, work differently. But typically there's a general consensus um, and Kids will have a lot of the same questions, uh, like, 
around now, right before Thanksgiving break, we had our first freeze and all the kids were like, oh man, there's like all this ice and it's frozen and it's snowing. And so they all had a ton of questions about water freezing oh, and not yeah. freezing. And so that kind of led a lot of great discussion. Sure. Um, and so it's really more about coming alongside kids and having discussions with them and allowing them to be part of their own learning um, instead of just the traditional school where your memorization and regurgitation and only speak when you're spoken to <laughs> and raise your hand for permission. Right, um, right. Our kids, yeah, we don't need to do that. We want to teach kids how to learn and not what to learn. So getting back to my question, two acres for 150 kids seems plenty, but you have bigger visions. Yes. Um, right, tell us about that. We would like to expand our programs through high school and actually we are already have a lot of requests to expand grades. Um, going through first grade is not enough. Our kids want to grow with us and our students, there's a high demand um, for programs for older kids. Older kids need to be outside too. Um, and at this point, our, our facility is at capacity. We have over 70 cars coming in and out a day. Um, it's just hard um, because as much as I want to be able to say, yeah, I want to offer second, third grade, you know, let's keep going. Um, There's an opportunity because there, the parcel of land that you told us about that's forestry is available for sale now. That's right. So it uh, very unexpectedly went up for sale. We thought we had a few years to save up for it, um, but God has other plans. Yep. And so right now we are, we actually have it under contract. We knew we had to move quickly because they're trying to sell it to developers to develop the land and make another subdivision. Um, they would take down all the trees, and that would ruin all our plans for forest oh. school. So um, we have that 47-acre parcel under contract right now, and we are trying to raise $300,000 for the down payment for our school expansion so that we can have a Christian school that operates completely outdoors in God's creation. $300,000. Now, that sounds like a lot, but in God's economy, it, it really isn't. Yeah, God math. <laughs> That's right. So, so we need to pray about this, but we also want to let all of our listeners know and we, um, that Illinois Family Institute is partnering with Free Haven. You can write checks to Illinois Family Institute, Designate it to Freehaven Forest School and get a tax write-off. To be clear, you're working towards a 501c3 status. You don't have it yet, and so that's why we're partnering with you, so to enable you to get the benefit of a tax write-off for donations at this point. Yes, that's right. All right, and so you still need to raise $300,000 now, not when the IRS decides to <laughs> award this 501c3, right. which could be a long process. Yeah, we're a baby company, unfortunately, so we don't expect it for at least another year. Now, do you charge tuition? Yes. Okay, what is that like? So we do part-time programs right now, so we offer one, two, or three-day uh, enrollment. And so our one-day enrollment is 170 a wow, month. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. Yep. And our three-day enrollment is 400 a month. Very cool. That is. So if you live further away and you're like, oh, I can't get there every day, one day would do too. Yep. 
Wonderful. Okay, that sounds good. Rachel, is there anything that you want to tell us that you haven't mentioned yet before we wrap up the, the podcast about that you want to make sure listeners know about Freehaven Forest School? I will just want to say that there really aren't any other forest schools like us in the area. We're the only Christian forest school that I know of um, that actually teaches the Bible at school. There's also not that many forest schools operating in Illinois. There's no set standard or code for what forest schools need to look like. In a way, that's good because that gives us flexibility. We don't really want to be involved with the state or yeah, have you're to trailblazers. follow policy. But what that means is, yeah, exactly, we're trailblazers. We are setting the standard for what school could look like. And I take that responsibility very seriously. And so I'm trying to create the map work and framework for anyone who's like me that sees that the education system isn't working to be able to go out and do this. And so as part of our expansion, I'm trying to create a teacher training facility so that you can come and get trained at my facility and we will equip you to open your own forest school or even a homeschool forest school program wherever you are for your community because I believe... So you want to replicate this throughout Illinois? Throughout Illinois, throughout the Midwest. Midwest. So we would be the only training facility in the Midwest. So if you had it in Louisiana, would you call it Swamp School? (laughs) 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 Technically, it would still be called Forest School. Or Arizona Desert School? Yeah, they, they have them. Um, but I think technically it's still Forest School. Um, that's the name of the teaching philosophy that we're using. Fantastic. Well, maybe Colorado Mountain School? Yeah, there you go. It would be fun. So you can replicate this anywhere. That's awesome. You There's can. nature it's, everywhere. And so you, you know, Illinois Family Institute has been um, calling for parents and grandparents, church leaders, get their kids out of government schools. They're failing our kids, number one, academically. Number two, they're indoctrinating them with godless philosophies and ideologies. And uh, number three, we are called to disciple our children. And so this sounds like a wonderful way to disciple our children with the truth of God's word and his creation and the blessing of his creation. So, um, Well, I also wanted to say, if you are going to be trapped inside a building for five, six days a week, and they want to raise people who care about the environment. Well, how are you going to care about an environment you don't know about? That's why I think forest school is so important because we are supposed to um, be good stewards stewards of the earth and take dominion of what God has given us. And we can't do that from within four walls. There's so much of a disconnect in the whole environmental movement between what the future looks like and how we get there yeah. and and kids are left behind in that and you know we go to schools and we tell them to reduce reuse recycle and then we wash our hands of it and say I'm done but kids they have no relationship with with nature why should they love something they have no relationship with or you know? they make dominion over it absolutely yeah. and so so part of that dominion I'm looking right here Rachel brought in for me Bee Haven Honey this was collected from a hive on the property, I'm assuming. Absolutely. And the kids got to learn about collecting or bee management and collecting honey? Yes, they did. That's fantastic. We are really into hands-on learning. Uh, we like to keep our hands busy and engaged and learning, and um, we think it's the best way to learn. I, for one, I'm not 
that much of a visual learner. I like to get my hands dirty. And so we do honey harvest with our kids. Uh, we teach them about bees all year long. Sure. We harvest the honey with them. We have maple trees and we get our own maple syrup that That's we make incredible. with the kids. Awesome. And we also make elderberry syrup with them oh in the my fall. Goodness. Uh, we teach them a lot about- Is that with mulberries? Elderberries. Elderberries. Yeah. Do you That's have no mulberries on the, the property? We do. Um, not enough to make a the lot with. Or something yeah. Like that. Okay. <laughs> but we do forage a lot of other things. How about and we mushrooms? Teach the kids. So edible versus non-edible. <laughs> yeah, we we kind of talk a little bit about that. Mushrooms are tricky though, so I I don't like to encourage kids to experiment with them. No way. <laughs> <laughs> there. I'm not even a mushroom expert, so sure. I don't expect my students to be. Um, but definitely I point out what I know about yes. the ones I know about. Right. Yeah, I also wanted to ask you, Gen Z, which is the generation that I'm part of, um, we are kind of labeled as the generation that the, the biggest proponents of climate change and what we should do for the environment. You know, there's a whole bunch of marches that... Climate activism. Yeah, with um, Generation Z kind of dominates. What, what are they... Um, missing like what is the disconnect between like actually protecting nature and the legislation or things like that that is being purported so i think one major thing is that nobody involves kids in the in the conversation and in the topic and we kind of just step back and say oh you know sink all this money into this campaign or that campaign and no one really fully understands what it all means mm -hmm. because Farming and sustainable farming is the most important thing, but no one talks about that. They talk about making meat from chemicals, which isn't helping anyone, no. including the environment. No. And then they fly with is their big jets. Is that the Wonder jets. Burger or things like that? <laughs> yeah. Something like that? The, okay. Uh, beyond meat, yeah, all meat. of that okay, stuff. There you go. But really, I think people always say, oh, so you're an environmentalist. And I, I would say I tread lightly with that term because – Myself and environmentalists have a lot in common, but what we don't have in common is that I love letting kids explore outside. And environmentalists cry wolf when kids climb a tree and they say, you're hurting that tree. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think it's so much more important to give kids experiences in nature and let them develop a relationship with nature so that they themselves have a connection to it and a desire to take care of it and they understand it better than it is to say don't ever turn a log over never look for salamanders you know don't touch the wildlife don't mess with it that's where we disagree on a lot because I think that is the most important part about saving the planet yeah. if you want to go there is letting people engage with it intend it we, we we started the podcast with genesis one we're going to go back to it as we end this podcast now with genesis one god's first job for man was to tend the garden and uh today you call it a forest preserve so that's wonderful all right so rachel freehaven forest school our web the website again freehavenfs.com learn more about it if you want to donate you can send a check to IllinoisFamily.org um, and designate it for Free Haven Forest School, trying to raise $300,000 by? We're hoping the beginning of January. We so, need it as so soon as possible. So we need possible. to do it this end of year. Yep. The end of this year, 2022, uh, so that they sec secure this extra 
parcel of land for expansion. Yeah, and that, that funding will actually go towards our building too so that we can immediately uh, go forward with our plans to provide programs through high school. That's incredible. Excellent. All right, guys, if we want to um, uh, see this come to fruition uh, and give kids a real out-of-the-box option, then let's do this. Let's make it a possibility and then have it replicated throughout the United States. Yes. Thank you so much, Rachel, for being here and being willing to share about this. Thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate everything you're doing for families everywhere. You got it. FreehavenFS.com. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.